Welcome to the Ruby Book Club podcast, where we read an hour of a Ruby book each week and dissect it with you. I'm Saran, developer and founder of Code Newbie. I'm Nadia, developer and director at Ignition Works. Today we're discussing sections 2.10, 2.11, 2.12, and 2.13 of 99 Bottles by Sandy Metz and Katrina Owen. We finished test driving the Shameless Screen solution to the 99 Bottles song, and we discussed the value of testing and different approaches. And remember that you can follow us on Twitter at Ruby Book Club and check out rubybookclub.com to follow along. So how did you find the reading this week? I liked the reading. It was a good summary, I felt, to test driving the Shameless Green Solution. And what I really liked was how Sandy and Katrina take time to discuss how you might have approached it and then really break down why that might not have been a good solution. Yeah, they kind of went through the different branches, the different options that we had and talked about the pros and cons of each one and why we might do it. So it's it was a very thorough exploration of something that frankly could have been just like a couple pages long, but because they were so thorough and detailed about how they approached it, it, it felt just very, I was very satisfied at the end of it. So let's start with 2.10, writing cost-effective tests. And so to start off, we talk a little bit about what TD is. We talked last episode about the structure of a test and what that looks like in different options. Here we talk about how TDD promises to be very easy to change in the long run. It promises to give you software that you are going to feel confident about. And it promises all these good things. But we find that sometimes when we actually try to do TDD, we find that it doesn't work out quite that way. Sometimes it can be really painful. Sometimes it can be slow and tedious. And one of the things we talk about is the reason that sometimes it ends up being so painful. And one of the reasons is what Sandy and Katrina call test-to-code coupling, which I hadn't heard of that phrase before. Was that, was that familiar to you, Nadia? Maybe not specifically test-to-code coupling, but definitely the idea that your tests can be really coupled to your code and therefore they're not very useful. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I heard as well is when you have your tests that are too focused on the implementation of your code, that can end up being not good in the long run. But I just like the name. Like I like being able to label it as test-to-code coupling. And so here what Sandy and Katrina remind us is that when we are testing our code, we want to test what it does we don't necessarily want to test how it does it. We don't want the test to really know about the implementation. And so to give an example of this, first we kind of walk through our test suite and all the different tests that we have. Just to refresh your memory, we have a test called testing the first verse. We have one called test another verse, test verse two, test verse one, test verse zero, test a couple verses so we can see what happens when we have a a range and what happens when we have the verses method. And then we have one that says test a few verses, so testing uh, a slightly bigger range. And so we kind of end 2.10 being reminded of what our test suite looks like. And then we're going to move on to 2.11 where we talk about some good and not so great ways of testing. Right, because one of the main reasons Sandy and Katrina show us what our test suite currently looks like is to remind us about the gaping hole of the lack of a test for song. Mm -hmm. If you remember last week, we added the song method, but we didn't add a test for it. Yeah, very, very dangerous. (laughs) Risk-taking developers we are. So now we're going to solve this and I'm very happy about it. (laughs) 
So this brings us on nicely to section 2.11 called avoiding the echo chamber. And they start off by saying that the output of song is a string of 100 verses similar to the ones that we've already tested. However, we don't have a test for the song method. And so we're going to look at different ways that we might test that and what the best option is. So we look at listing 2.24 called whole song test logic, and there's a potential test in there. So the method is called test the whole song. And what we've got in there is bottles set to equal bottles.new. And then we have our favorite assert equal. And we want to check that bottles.versus with the arguments 99 and zero. So the method that we've already uh, constructed earlier on in the book gives you the same output as bottles.song. And so just to, just to go over that again, in the test, we're checking that when you call the method verses with 99 and zero, that gives you the whole song. Brilliant, right? Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Why is it wrong, Saron? Why? So I'm, I'm so proud of myself because when I saw this, this is probably the only time in this book where I looked at it and I go, I know why that's not the right way to do it. Uh, <laughs> but we talk about this a little bit in this in this section. But we talk about this in the section and what is not so great, I won't say wrong, what is not so great about having this test written this way is one, it gives the test more knowledge than it should have. So in this method, the test the whole song method, where we're where we should really only know about bottles.song, we also happen to know about bottles.verses, which is an implementation of something that our bottles class does. And so simply the fact that it just, it knows about something that isn't about the whole song kind of makes us a little bit uncomfortable. But the bigger issue is that it knows about the dot versus implementation. And so if we did something slightly different with dot versus, even if we did get the whole song back, it would break the whole test. Right. So it's looking. Did I explain that correctly? Yeah. Yeah, you did. Because okay. essentially the test is looking at the wrong thing. On the face of it, mm -hmm. it looks like it's looking at the right thing. Yeah, I want versus 99 to 0. But I like the bit where it says, to, to make it clear, it says the test is going to break if the signature or behavior of verses changes, even if song continues to return the correct lyrics. Mm -hmm. So you can make verses return foo. <laughs> and the test will fail, even though if you type in bottles.song, it gives you 99 bottles da, 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 all the way. Yes. And we talk about that test to code coupling. That's where the coupling comes in. Dot song returning the right thing depends on dot verses returning the right thing. And so we're coupling them when we really shouldn't be. Yes. And, and this is where Sandy Katrina mentioned it's cases like this where when you're doing TDD, it gets really frustrating because you might try and make a simple change and then some unrelated test will break. So let's assume you change the way verses works and you've got another method which returns the verses then you're going to run this test and this will break. And you're thinking, why? I've not affected song. Song still gives you what, what you need. And then people start grumbling about TDD. And it's this whole thing about it can put people off because the tests are being written in a way that's not helpful. And so all you see is TDD slowing you down and you don't see the benefits of it. Yes. Yep, exactly. And, and there's this idea about being exasperated. And it just reminded me of um, Amar Shah's talk in uh, RubyConf 2015, 
and he spoke about working compassionately with legacy code. And I think it's a really good talk, which is when you're dealing that frustration of other people's code, it's just a way to put it in another perspective and think about what that developer might have been going through when they were writing it. So in listing 2.25 Badly Broken Bottle Song, if we look at the versus method, what Sandy and Katrina have done is we have our conditionals that we've always had in our versus method, but this time they have removed the else conditional, the one that kind of captures everything else and gives us and helps us create all of our lyrics. They've replaced that whole condition with just the string okay, which is not helpful and is not actually part of the song at all. And they've done that to illustrate the idea that if we rewrite this versus test to basically break it and remove that helpful else condition that we used to have with just a, a random string, okay, and then we run that test that sees if bottles.versus returns the same thing as bottles.song, that test will pass because the way that the song method is implemented, it just requires us to return versus 99, 0. But we know that even though the dot versus method and the dot song method will give us the same thing, that thing that it's returning isn't actually what we want. It's not the full 99 bottle song. Right, exactly. So then we go on to listing 2.26, which looks at a different way to test the whole song. And it's called whole song test logic again. So this new test, you may look at it and think, Okay, this is good. We're checking that each verse is being called. So verse 99, verse 98, down to verse zero. However, it, it digs us into a deeper hole because we've gone one level deeper. Now we are testing the way verses works and we're still coupled to the verse method itself. So in fact, it's going to be all kinds of painful later on down the line. Yes. And so that leaves us with the solution that I was hoping we could avoid, to be very <laughs> honest, which is that the only way to know if the song method is giving us exactly what we want is to actually write out the entire song. And so Sandy and Katrina enlisting 2.27 called song test. They have the spec that reads test the whole song. And for expected, we just have... 99 bottles of beer on the wall, 99 bottles of beer, and then every single line going all the way down until we have no more bottles of beer on the wall, no more bottles of beer. And we're just asserting that that expected, that hard-coded, very long string is equal to what we get when we call bottles.new.song. Can I just check something? How long did it take you to type it all out, Saron? Oh, I, I totally didn't get that far. <laughs> oh, gosh. I did not. It, How long did it take like you? Like five hours. <laughs> oh no that's a long time do you believe i spent five hours typing out this song i really hope not i hope not you're you're a businesswoman so i feel like you have other things to yeah <laughs> github.com slash sk copy and paste <laughs> whoop, whoop. there you go nice and so hopefully if we have other long songs to copy we can just find the lyrics somewhere and just copy and paste it from there. exactly and hope the lyrics are correct um, and it's funny because there's a bit here that says, you know, the text is fairly lengthy and you may resist writing out the full string because of concerns about duplication. And I was like, no, I'm not concerned about duplication. I'm concerned about time. <laughs> right. Yes. And so in 2.12 called Considering Options, 
we look at all of the, well, all the options that we had for how to do this and specifically about how to address the duplication issue because, you know, time aside, it's just really tedious, right? The duplication means that it's just, it's very boring and and long and just not a good time to write out every single line when you know there's so many similarities between all the lyrics. And can I just say, sorry to interrupt, yeah. just, to, just to say at this point, I found it really cool how they've given you the solution but they want to address the fact that hey you might find this distressing so let's let's really go over what you might still be thinking and dig into that and I thought that was it was kind of like a bit of therapy within the book and it was it was almost (laughs) empathetic like yes we know this is the right way but we maybe haven't done a thorough job yet of convincing you so let's try yes exactly And so number one is assert that the expected output matches that of some other method. And that's what we did when we looked at the versus method, when we compared and asserted that the versus result was the same as the song method call. And so that's one way that we can do it. But we acknowledge here that we have the dependency issue and we know that we can easily not get what we actually want and still have a passing test. So that's not a great way to approach it. Boo to number one. Boot number one, that's right. And then for number two, we have assert that the expected output matches a dynamically generated string. And so this is one of the other options that we considered. And this one feels a bit better to me. Like when I looked at it, I thought, yeah, it's it's like it's coding, right? It's not just <laughs> calling a method. It's like we're, we're coding in there. And it felt a little bit better, but we still have the same issue that even though we feel like we're dynamically creating the verses by... And in doing so, we are removing some of the duplication. We are still running into the same problem of giving the test too much information around implementation, and we still have that coupling issue. Right. We'll be forced to either copy or do the same thing in the code to make sure it passes. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And then the third option is assert that the expected outcome matches a hard-coded string. And so here we have no dependencies at all. We clearly unambiguously know what we're getting into, what we're looking for, and that is the easiest way. And I must admit that when I saw 2.12 and saw considering options, I was hoping there was a fourth magical way that we had gotten into, <laughs> but there's not. There's only those three. Gotta do the hard-coded string. And it's a pretty compelling case where it says, you may not like it, but no dependencies. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. And just beneath those three points, Sandy and Katrina point out that tests are not the place for abstractions. They are the place for concretions. And I really like that that sentence Mm -hmm. because it's it's right. You just want to there's so much uncertainty when we're coding and the creativity comes in trying to make the test pass. But there shouldn't be you want to minimize the room for error or the room for complicating things in your test. They're just meant to be a place of safety, a harness, not anything that, that should be too too tricky or tasking for you to be able to read and understand. Yeah. Yeah, I like that too because, and that was the thing, I think when I first looked at the the tests, the options one and two, I knew they weren't right and I had that feeling about it, but I didn't necessarily think of them as the place where we were abstracting further. Mm. Like I, I didn't associate it with that word initially and being able to have that vocabulary and saying here I am abstracting and I shouldn't be. That was a helpful way to solidify what we learned so far. Yeah, I think like coming out of this chapter, the two things to keep in mind are, are you doing any unnecessary abstractions and are you introducing any unnecessary dependencies? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
And going back to this issue of duplication and our need as programmers to make sure we're not repeating ourselves, it says that dry is a very good idea in code, but not as useful in tests. And that's another just really great takeaway there is there's a, a time to worry about duplication. And when we're writing tests, it may not always be as helpful. Very well put. So uh, yes, and then lovely with listing 2.2a, we get to see all of the code in all of its glory of the bottles class with our song, song method up front and center. And it's okay, it's allowed now because we've got a test for it. Yes. So that brings us on to the summary of chapter 2, 2.13. And great first succinct sentence, which just says, testing done well, speeds development, and lowers costs. So it is worth investing in getting good at testing. And I think part of the, lots of the frustration that comes with testing are people who perhaps try and jump into testing when they're dealing with complex problems. And it's a skill in and of itself. And so you don't get the benefits of, of you know, the speedy development and the low costs without investing in developing it as a skill. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing with TDD and testing is that a lot of the benefits come in the long run. So when you get to the more complex things, you you know, you feel safe refactoring, you feel safe adding new features. And it's this idea that it, it says here it can prevent costly guesses because you can try things out and your, your tests are there as a harness to say, right, it's still behaving as it should or it's not behaving as it should, but that's fine, we can go back. So it's, it's easy to refactor things. And when we follow our TDD process and we trust the process, we end up in a place where the shameless green solution rises. And I really like that it puts it that way. It says that it gives rise to shameless green and it presents that solution as a result of the decisions we made and the process that we trusted. So we just finished chapter two, and today we talked about the costs and benefits of TDD. So we want to know what's your take on it. Have you found it to be mostly helpful in your practice or mostly painful? Tweet us your responses at Ruby Book Club and tell us about how you plan to use the takeaways from this episode in your next project. See you next week. Cheerio. Cheerio.